Okay, I got one major announcement. We have these little fans we made. If you want one, we'll have someone, uh, Tony, want to grab some fans? If anyone needs one, we're going to give you a fan so you can go like this and create your own mini air conditioning right there in your seat. Listen, this is truly a Flint church. If you're, if you're inner city church, you need a fan to wave yourself because that's what church folk do. I don't need to stand. I'm good. Thanks, man. All right. Now, you got to bring your fan with you because I, I, I can't, like, reuse them because of germs. So this is your fan now. Put it in your purse. Bring it back next Sunday. It'll be great. A few weeks ago, my wife and I were talking. Just in case you don't know this, tomorrow is August 23rd, and it is our anniversary. Been married now for 18 years. And so we're talking the other night about school starting, what that means for the children and for us. A lot of you, I've gotten emails from the schools. Our school has changed their um, safe policy a few times because of the Delta variant. So we're all living through these things again. And my wife was talking, she said to me something very, very wise. She said, you know, I feel real tired. And I'm like, why is that, babe? She goes, I feel like this summer we never, ever found our rhythm. I thought about that. And I would dare say, to go further than what she said, I don't think I've found a rhythm these last 18 months. I don't know if you remember 18 months ago, February of 2020, Michigan was the last state in the union to have the coronavirus. It was all over the country. It was California and New York were first, because everyone goes there. They start kind of coming in from the coast. I'm watching the map. I felt like they were like, like coming to our house just slowly. And then there was that infamous NBA game here in Detroit. Was it the Jazz? It was the Jazz. Stinking Utah, man. Um, and the guy at the microphone, remember the microphone guy? He's like, what if I have the virus? He touched all the microphones. It was, and then turns out he had it. And all of a sudden, NBA next week shuts down the league. Week after that, the world shuts down, right? When the, the NBA led the way randomly. Schools, I have friends of mine who were in college. If you're in college, you know what this is like. A lot of colleges said, listen, go home a week early for spring break, and come back when spring break's over. I have friends of mine who left their colleges, went home, left their dorms full of their stuff, they thought, this is going to be, this is going to end, and end. It's, it's two weeks, we, the world will be back to normal. On the first day, when NBA, when NBA shut, shut down the season, I canceled Easter. Remember, two years ago, we had put a down payment, renting the Flint Farmer's Market, we were going to have a massive Easter celebration, and I canceled it, that day, everyone told me, take up on Easter. I'm like, listen, this is not a two-week thing. And no one believed me. My friends told me I was crazy. But I'm like, listen, this, we can't. It's just. And all those colleges went home. After the spring break's over, colleges said, don't come back. The, se- the, the, the semester's going to online. We, our kids went to, uh, uh, we, we became homeschool parents that fast. And homeschool parents... I don't know how you guys do it. That's a hard, hard calling. 
I'm just saying. Like, I, I mean, as Angie said so wisely, I can be their teacher or their parent. I can't be both because um, I'm going to do one of them well. But the world goes forward. And for a while, at first, we all went nuts, remember? Some of us got laid off. A lot of us got laid off. In our church, I think it was 75% of our people got laid off in our church. I remember the first few weeks I was calling everybody, are you okay? Do you have food? I got deputized in those first few weeks because every food bank in the city closed down. And the sheriff's department was like, we got to make sure that the senior citizens don't fall off the edge and the people that are most vulnerable. So I was driving a church truck, making deliveries all over the city. And guess what? I was the first guy everybody knew who got COVID. It was like in March, I, I got hit with COVID. Like, so in, this, in our church, we knew it wasn't like a conspiracy. Some people were considered essential workers and couldn't, couldn't stay home. People working at Kroger and Meyer making $9.25 an hour as the, the mobs of humanity descended on them and yelled at them and stole all the TP in the whole nation. Remember this? It was wild. There was all these different phases of differing insanities. Some of us went home. Some of us had to work crazy long hours for little pay, taking the brunt of our fear upon themselves. I, 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 my brother-in-law's a nurse. He said the, that the, the, the first big wave that hit, nurses were buried in people. I mean, that, was, that was the big thing, right? We had to flatten the curve so we didn't overrun our hospitals. And we didn't, and it was good, right? Italy had so many deaths because they overran their hospitals. India had so many deaths because the medical system broke and fell down. It didn't happen in America. America, we, we had like three mini bombs. I don't know what you call those things. It's not bombs, sorry. Mini, what do you call them, babe? Spikes. Last summer, 2020, the summer, things start reopening. The movie theaters reopened. Remember, Tenet came out last summer. And everyone's like coming out of their little holes like, is it over? And November, the spike hit. And in our church, we had, I think, 15 cases in our church in that November of last year. It, I knew so many people in the city got hit by the virus. It was crazy, remember? And the world kind of shut down again. Ooh. And then this summer started, and July 4th was the big day, right? We're going to be open by the 4th. And we're all like, mask, you know, burning our masks. Oh, it's over. And now here's Delta. And it's the same conversation spinning around. And for many of us, we've been powerless of all these changes. They're above our pay grade, okay? And people are. We're angry. I think a lot of us, the stress has been so much, we're angrier people. Like, we're meaner to each other now. You see all these uh, headlines of, of airplanes, people are getting mad at airplanes and attacking each other on airlines? There were as many air, uh, airtime violent uh, breakouts in these six months as there have been in the last 10 years. Something switched, man. People that were so full, were so pent up, were exploding at each other. That last election's gotten worse, that level of discourse. I think a lot of us feel that, that stress, that just 
things are changing like every few months, and we're just trying to catch up to the changes. Can I go on vacation? Can I not go on vacation? Are my kids going to school? Are they not going to school? Do I have a job? Do I not have a job? This is how we've been living for 18 months, and it's hard, and it wears us down. Like, we're all tired our own ways. We are. As a, as a, and and as, as a pastor, I do preach through books of the Bible. I just go verse by verse. We've been in Acts for like forever. But I always, I always stop once in a while to listen to what's going on in our people and preach about what we're going through. So I decided to take a few weeks to preach about this shared trauma of the last year. I'm going to preach two sermons, one on joy and one on sorrow. A sermon on how to be happy in the midst of struggle and a sermon on how to mourn well when you're suffering. Because the Americans, we're bad at both these things. We're not good at being happy and we're not good at being sad. You're like, what do you mean? We're good at being happy. There's a reason every one of our holidays is bathed in booze. We can't be happy. Without the bottle, I don't know how to do it. I'm like, I feel weird. I feel bad. That's how we are as Americans, man. A lot of us as Americans for happiness, we chase things. Every commercial I watch promises me if I buy your product or wear your brand, then I'll experience some joy. And we believe it. Where do we find joy? In the midst of an unstable world where honestly, it has been impossible to set a schedule, to find a rhythm. It's been impossible. I'll pick up my brother Bill for a second. Seeking, my brother Bill has been like the healthiest guy I know the last year, going to the gym like every day. And he hit the, I remember watching him like, can I go to the gym today? Can I not go to, it gets, it's, everything in our lives are just closing and opening so much. This is what the word says about joy. Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, the command is not rejoice. I will quote this and say, so you got to be happy. It says rejoice right there. The command is not merely to rejoice. If it's my birthday and you give me a rock, I'm not going to rejoice. The, the object matters. You give a kid, you give a six-year-old kid underwear on Christmas, they're not pumped. The object matters. Okay? Rejoice not because of nothing. Rejoice in the Lord. That's the key, that's the key to the whole thing. To have joy that's deep-seated, that's deeper than any ebb or flow of society. Deeper than any loss or any disappointment. That joy has to be grounded in our relationship with Jesus. That nearness to Christ is going to create in us a spring. A replenishing Flowing spring, overflowing in abundance. But in this passage, he doesn't, just, he doesn't really say rejoice in the Lord. He's going to tell you how to do it. 
How do you begin to rejoice in the Lord? Because I'm not good at being happy. He says this, verse 5, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Do not be anxious for anything. Now, he's not, the Bible's not saying, I've heard preachers say that anxiousness is sin. That is a poor reading of the scripture. That's not what it says. We all feel anxiousness. If you love anybody in the world, you will feel anxiousness. My daughter this week had her first sleepover outside of my home. She went to a friend's house and something, and I was like, this is scary. I was anxious, 10 years old, like, what's it going to be like? You know, was she scared without us in the middle of the night? Will she wake up, mom and dad? I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And it, it, was, it wasn't a big deal, but it was a little bit of something, something, a little, you know, parental anxiety. Kids go to college, you feel that. Oh, kids getting married. Oh, oh, oh. Maybe you need a job and you can't find one, and anxiety begins to build. Where am I going to work? How am I going to provide? The bills are climbing. I sat down the other day to do our bills, and I, I, I misread some numbers of a medical bill. That'll make your Monday a bad day. The anxiety rises. I owe you how much? Just my foot, man, just my toe. But, uh, but the anxiety is there. It's a real thing, raising up. My birthday's coming up next month. Secretary of State sent me uh, a bill for my cars. Happy birthday, right? If you're old, you don't get a card from your friends. You get a mistake. Michigan goes, you owe us $200 for your car and your license. Happy birthday, stinking jerks. <laughs> we all experience anxiety. That's a normal part of life. But here's what the Lord says to do with it. He says, you have this, do not be anxious about anything. Instead, take everything in prayer. Let all your requests be made known to God. You take all those things of anxiousness and you give them to God. Here's the truth he's giving to us here. You got to talk to Jesus if you want to lean on Jesus. You got to talk to Jesus if you want to lean on Jesus. Here's what I mean. Been married 18 years tomorrow, okay? 18 years. When you're married that long, here's something that can easily happen. It's easy to coast when you're married. It's easy. To put it in neutral. If you're a parent, easy to put it in neutral. Just let it coast. And with friendship, easy to put it in neutral. Now, in marriage, this is what it looks like. Wake up, kids get ready for school, rush out the door, get them to school, I go to work, go pick the kids up from school, come home, have dinner, homework, chores, put them to bed, tuck them in, tired, oh, what a long day, sit down, TV, two hours of that, 10 o'clock, I best go to bed, go to bed, love you, love you, kiss, kiss, sleep, never talk about the things. What's going on in here? How am I doing? How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's going on inside? Instead, we just kind of, it's all surface level stuff. We're moving so fast, there is no room to, to, to plumb the depths. Do you understand? Happens to all of us. We move so fast, we honestly don't even know how we're doing ourselves. I might feel this big, weird feeling, 
but we're so scared of examining it, I just keep on running fast. I know some people, they cannot drive in a car with the radio being on because I can't handle the silence. I go to bed with a TV blaring because I don't want my mind to have a moment to reflect upon my life. Instead, I keep the noise on all the time. I don't even know how I'm doing. And Jesus goes, that's not the way to walk. If you try to hide from the burdens of your life, they're going to bury you. They're going to bury you. Sometimes when I don't, I think of the burdens of life almost like a backpack full of anxieties, okay? There's, the, for me, it's my, my family. It's the church. It's my future. Sometimes there's retirement. Oh, all these things you put in the backpack and it gets heavier. Oh. And I notice in my own life, if I don't deal with that backpack, I'll begin to feel anxiety begin like choking me. You feel sometimes, I put my anxiety in my shoulder. I don't know where you put it. I put it in my shoulders. They'll tighten up real bad. And I'll just like, some people put it in their, ch- I have friends of mine who their heart will beat wrong. All internal. Not because of a physical malady. Their stress is so high, their physical body begins reacting negatively to the stress. I, I have to stop. I have to make room in my life to get low and take those things out and present them to the Lord. Lord, this is something I'm really scared about, and this is why. And we talk about it. It's, I know those TV shows, it would always be the, at the therapy office, always would be a couch. You ever see that couch in the old TV shows, the therapy couch? And you go to the therapist, pay them $100 an hour, and they listen to you. And they're paid because we don't talk about our feelings at all, so the therapist has to pull our feelings out of us. And so I try like, like figuratively speaking, to lay on that couch with the Lord and to tell him what's going on. Sometimes I start off praying. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I feel off. And I mean, him start talking about it. What's going on, Lord? I start talking about my life, and all of a sudden, we, in talking to the Lord about it, I realize what's going on. I'm making my hearts known to God. I am casting my cares upon him because he cares for me. As I as we learn to talk to Jesus, we can learn to lean on Jesus. I can unload that backpack. And when you unload that backpack, I am a pastor, okay? Um, I get phone calls every day of things and I'm not mad about this. I'm not sad about it. I don't want pity. I'm grateful to see the joys and the sorrows. I love this place I get to walk in life. Someone once asked me, you know, how, how, do you, how do you carry it? And the answer is, I don't. You don't belong to me. I can't carry you. I can't even carry me. You understand? Now, I do care for you. And when you hurt, I will hurt with you. Yesterday I was at a funeral meeting, and the family's talking, and I asked for Kleenex, and they're like, we have Kleenex. I'm like, I need some for me, you guys. Because I was crying too, because we were all just there, and it was like, we are mourning. And I, I, was, I was dabbing the eyes. You have a lot to carry in your life. You have your children, your families, your friends, your jobs, responsibilities. These things add up. These weights, you feel them on you sometimes. 
you gotta, I don't care how strong you think you are. We all have our breaking points. You gotta give it to God. And when you give God all that way out of that backpack, and that backpack all of a sudden is light, what did Jesus say? He goes, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and that is a joy. It's a joy to walk in this life free of those burdens. I know myself. I know that I'm seen, heard, understood, and loved. This is awesome. I can lean on my Father who loves me. And you can't do that unless you talk to him. Make room in your life to talk to Jesus. Make room in your life. Two, that's what he says next. How to find joy in this life. How to rejoice in the Lord. First, talk to Jesus that you may lean on Jesus. Second, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The beautiful things, the glorious things, the pure things. Look upon this. Here's the next truth. Stare at Jesus if you want to stand on Jesus. You got to stare at Jesus if you want to stand on Jesus. What do I mean by that? That's what I mean by this. What do we fill our minds with? Most of us are very careless in what comes into our ears and comes into our eyes. I am too. I'll go after a long day. You know, what's the, you know what's hard? Talking to somebody. You know what's hard? Reading. You know what's hard? Exercise. <laughs> it is. You know what's easy? Sitting on the couch in your chonies watching YouTube. And you sit down, remote control, and you're the master of the universe. Two hours go by, three hours go by, and it's like, well, what? It's tomorrow, what happened? Like, it's awesome. Not awesome for real, it's just so easy, it costs nothing. I let all that, you let all that come into you, all that flows into you. Now, I know a lot of people right now, I have a lot of friends of mine, who are feeling a lot of anxiety about political realities, the direction of our country. I have friends of mine that, that they began to get, grow actually truly fearful of, you know, is China going to become too strong and they're, they're going to eat us? And to all those who begin to have those feelings, here's God's wisdom to you. Turn off the news. I have friends of mine watch four to five hours of Fox News or CNN every day. Those companies sell fear. If you fill your mind with that, of course you're going to be afraid. They are selling you a drug. They're giving the first one free. Let you coming back tomorrow. Get the ratings up so they can sell advertising. That's their whole model. And a lot of us, we are. We come for, I preach for 30 minutes on a Sunday. And you're devouring 30 hours of some right-wing or left-wing psycho and you think Christ is submitted to that fool. And he's not. (laughs) 
We got to stop eating out of the garbage all the time. We have to start going to the master's table and feasting on his food. Listen, how do you look at, how do you stare at the beauty of Christ? Open up his word. Listen, you like to read? They, people have recorded themselves talking. You can listen to it on your headphones, yo. Me and the dog will walk in every morning. Sometimes I'll put on, uh, there's a Bible app for free called Bi- the Bible app. Real easy to find, Bible app. I'll put in my verse of the day, and the dude will read it to me while I walk. Just read it to me. I can choose like a girl, a dude. I can choose like a Brit or an Irish person. It's great. I try to change it up for fun. I have an Irish lady reading me today. Like, I don't know. Just make it new. Oh, African accent sounds great. I'll have freaking, you know, King T'Challa read to me while I'm walking today. I'm saying put the, get Christ in front of your eyes. Stare at Jesus. See his beauty. See his goodness. See his might. And when you see him, the wind and the waves, their danger diminishes. Look away from the Christ, those waves seem, I'm, I'm going to die. You stare at the Christ, like, okay, apparently I can walk on this water. You got to stare at Jesus. Make room to talk to him. Make room to look at him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, we're never too old to read this. Most of us have heard about Christ, have seen awesome posts of Christ, and most of us have read very little of his teaching. He will surprise you. He will zig when you think he's going to zag. That's what I've been reading the Bible for 25 years. And there are, I, I, I read a story I've read 20 times. I'll get to it and I'm like, he doesn't say that. Like, if the Bible's in my head. I'm like, he doesn't say that. That's not what happens in this story. Obviously it is. He still surprises me. He still surprises me. Stare at Jesus. If you want to stand on his beauty, and and if you want to stand on his promises, you got to know his promises. Stare at Jesus. Open the word. Turn. I'm not saying TV's evil. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for most of us, we are unbalanced big time. It's all the world. It's all fear. It's all anger. And the peace of God's nowhere near our hearts. Stare at Jesus, that you may stand on Jesus. And the last, listen to this last piece. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things that the God of peace may be with you. So, Talk to Jesus that you may lean on Jesus. Stare at Jesus that you may stand on Jesus. And lastly, walk like Jesus that you may walk with Jesus. Listen, the gospel's beautiful. Jesus died that we may live. My sin has been nailed to the cross and I am forgiven. That is not a blank check to live like the children of hell. It's not. And so many of us as Christians, we just are like, eh, what you going to do? And we just embrace our sin and we 
hurt ourselves. Listen, my wife made a vow 18 years ago to love me, sickness, health, foolishness, and wisdom. That's probably not part of it, is it? Should be. Uh, I'm going to add that into my weddings now. In foolishness and wisdom? Huh? What? Um, I can say to myself, well, she promised to be with me, so uh, I can just phone this in over here. I don't need to love her or pursue her. I don't need to date her or pull her heart to myself. I got her. I won the prize. She's mine. So it goes. Like it. Leave it. I don't care. I can be a jerk about it. I gotcha. No dates. No sweetness. No kisses. Nothing. I could be that person. But love is not merely like, well, I gotcha, so now I can just treat you badly. Just because just just we have the Christ is not an excuse for us to stop growing in him. Sin, by its very nature, separates. That's what sin does. Sin separates. If I lie to my wife, it creates division. If I steal from my neighbor, it creates distrust. If I kill someone in my city, it creates fear. Sin separates. That's what sin does. And if I'm sinning against the Lord God of heaven, if I'm living in unrepentant, consistent sin, I'm creating a, a distance between me and God. Because even if I lied to my wife, she didn't know it, guess who knows it? I do. And guilt's a real thing. Guilt will eat you up. As a kid, man, mom would say, <laughs> I'll tell you the true story. There's a church down in uh, Indiana. I told the story a little while ago. The pastor said from the pulpit, so it was like, there's a few men in this church who are playing the fool in their wives. You'd be in my office this week or I'm, I'm calling her myself. And he just said that from the pulpit and preached sermon afterwards. That week, six guys came to his office, random dudes, confessed their sins. Guilt's a real thing, dude. If I'm living in sin, I feel that guilt, and it's a, it's a weight on me to try to approach the Lord. And not only is there, a, it's not only, not only is there the, the, the weight of guilt, but sin also hurts us. When we choose to sin, we are choosing, we are choosing to run into the very harm that God intended to save us from. My, my little boy, Nesto, one of his favorite games when he was a little two-year-old was run toward the street. I don't know how it became a game, but it did. I'd put him down to get his car seat ready, and he'd take off, giggling, towards the road. I'd always run and catch him, and he'd always laugh. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't, the rule, don't run in the street, was not me trying to rob him of, like, the good life. I was protecting him from the danger of the Buick. You know, I was protecting him. If you're a Buick, Buick fan, I'm sorry. I apologize. The law was not there to hurt. It was there to protect. And many of us don't listen to God. We run into sin, and it hurts our lives. A lot of us, a lot of the pain we go through is self-inflicted. If you know the Christ... None of us are perfect. We're all going to struggle. We're all, but don't just give up and say, man, I sin. What you going to do? That's not an okay answer. We must continue to grow as life goes forward. 
been married 18 years. I am not the husband I was 18 years ago. I was a more selfish man, a, a, an unkinder man. I remember early in our marriage, we're doing all-nighter with junior hires. I leave with the bus full of kids going on all-nighter. I had the house keys, and Angie needed them. She calls me on the cell phone. You still have the house keys. I'm like, oh, what do I going to do? She's like, well, I need them. So I pulled, I had to drive a bus to a neighborhood, come back around, and I was so mad. I was so unjustly angry. I forgot, not her, I forgot. I drive by the church, I see the parking lot, I don't even pull it, I just drive by an airport road, put the keys out the window of the ditch and kept on driving. <laughs> Some of the women are like, ooh. <laughs> now, that day, on that day, my brother was driving, helping with the all-nighter. Get to where we're going, the kids all unload, and my brother stops me. I'm like, what's up? He goes, dude, you were wrong. What are you talking about? You'd run to your wife just then. And I was all mad. It's like, who are you telling me, man? Because y'all men are. I think you're better than me. Uh, but he's right. I can't just say, well, I can't just say, to, no one can just say, well, it's, it's just who I am. It's who you're married. So deal with it. It's not okay. God saved you when you were a train wreck. He did. And he loves you even though you're a train wreck. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. We can't, just, we, can't just stay. we can't just stay down there in the mud. We have to follow him. We have to lay down our sins and say, I want Jesus more than I want this sin. We put down the bottle. We put down the needle. Whatever it is that eats us, we put it down and say, I want Jesus more. And when we walk like Jesus in this life and sin's power begins to lose its hold on us, you know what you feel you feel joy. You know what's a joyous feeling? Not being a slave to your sin. Not being owned by it. I make a lot of jokes about my anger. I make a lot of jokes about anger. Because of God's kindness and growth, it doesn't just explode and eat me no more. I feel the anger. I feel the, I feel the match light. I feel the Mission Impossible wick going through my body. I feel the explosion ready to go. And the Holy Spirit goes, Nesto. Like the Lord gives you that moment. Nesto, you don't got to blow if you don't want to. And I'm like, okay. You, these, these, these not be a voice there at all. You just explode. Now the spirits they're waiting for, like, ah. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Growth, change. Walk like Jesus. So how can we know the joy of the Lord in this life? We must be in Jesus. If you're in Christ, talking to him, staring at him, walking in his ways, when the world shakes, you will find within you a reservoir of peace that, oh, that, that turns into joy as it flows out of your life. You can say, man, yeah, that, that, this is hard. But God has been a faithful friend and he's good, and I trust him. We can have joy even in times such as these. With that said, let us pray. Father in heaven, we are not good at being happy people. <laughs> 
We try to cheat it, find shortcuts for it, and there are none. To find true lasting joy, we must come to you. We got to get real. We got to get low. We got to get honest. It's going to cost us something. But it's worth it. I want to know your easy yoke. I want to know your light burden. I want, I want this anxiety. I want you to carry it, not to carry it alone. I want to stare at you and not at the churning sea out the window. And I want to walk like you and not like some celebrity or some athlete or some fool. I want to, I want to walk after your way because your way is better than this world's. Help us hunger and thirst after your righteousness that we may be filled. In Christ's name we ask all these things.